Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. I'm 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 back. Uh, Thanksgiving travel uh, put me and Max out of commission last week, but mm-hmm. Kevin was a capable fill-in, making his long-awaited return to the pod. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm back now from a place where the temperature was in the 70s uh, oh. to a place where it's cold again. Yes, uh, and so you know it's the. It's the time when you kind of strap yourself in and eat chili and read inside rather than going and like doing things. Uh, and, and, you know, it's a time to, to be reflective and, and to think about, think about what's to come. Uh, and, and you, you came to us with something for this week uh, that I think pertains to the future. Does it not? It, it does. Um, I uh, came to you with a vision of the future, and namely when you are deciding to stay inside for whatever your choice, how you choose to consume foods uh, and not even just how they get to you um, or what you choose to eat, but in what venues, capacities they are made because – there's a chance that that will be, to use the word du jour, um, disrupted. And I actually, I think, Max, you may have read the most into this this new disruptive, can we call it a technology? Yeah, I think it's a, sorry, if that was a question to me, broke up for a second. Yeah. I think it's a technology. Um, or is it, I, well, you know, I'm not sure. That's, a, <laughs> that's an interesting question that I wasn't expecting. So yeah, well we're we're completing our transition into a slate money podcast metapod. Um, yeah, and and we're we're talking about the idea of like the cloud kitchen, mm-hmm. um, which is not a, not exactly a technology in itself. It's more of like a it's like a business practice. It's an, yeah, it's, it's not a technology efficiency. at all. <laughs> it's an efficiency. Yeah. Uh, so, and, um, and what it is, essentially, if I if I understand it correctly, is lighting all the restaurants on fire, and mm-hmm. just having, uh, having the the restaurants, so to speak, uh, prepare all of the food together out of giant kind of unbranded <laughs> hangers, yeah, uh, and then yeah. delivering it out to you. Uh, so yeah. I, I would say that that's important, and I don't want to divert on this, but this is a really good point. There, In the pursuit of optimization, there are technologies and then there are efficiencies. Um, I would say that something like, as we've seen, WeWork was not a technology. 
it was maybe an efficiency. Let's put all these people together who are working at disparate places and give them some uh, well, incentives to do it here. I think Whereas, that was mostly just an efficiency for Adam uh, Adam Neumann, Neumann to <laughs> figure out how to amass $100 billion yeah. the fastest. Whereas Uber is or Lyft, um, ride-sharing, there is a technology there, which is the app that can create um, an optimized way to, to get a ride for both mm-hmm. rider and driver. Mm-hmm. So Cloud Kitchens, as this hangar where people make food, it does get to this uh, efficiency of there are a lot of restaurants that are doing a lot of takeout business, but it's a big capital investment to go ahead and buy a a restaurant front where you uh, have a customers potentially come in when maybe you're used to more of the food truck model, which is people show up and grab your food and leave. So I would say that there is a kernel in there that it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, okay, uh, sure, but it's also it's not just I, it's not the food truck model; it's the delivery model. It's yes. it's the thing that we talked about when we talked about whether or not food delivery apps make you antisocial. It's people saying, "Well, I want the food that the restaurant makes, but I don't want to have to go to the restaurant and sit there to mm-hmm. eat it." And so what happens is the existing food delivery apps are taking percentages of those orders from restaurants. And so yes. it's not like it's not it's not like this, you know, the capital involved in opening a restaurant per se, because like that's worked for a long time. But it's when you start adding additional costs to the mix that are not part of the old restaurant model in terms of having to shave off a few percentage points of your already super duper thin margin to give yeah. to DoorDash or Postmates or whoever. Like, then it starts making restaurants untenable. Yes, and, and just, to, just to read something about these services, which you have reservations, you have delivery, um, you even have this other app, Seated, which is kind of horrifying. Um, the New York City Councilman, Mark Janjaj, tough to say, on Mark. the delivery apps, he's Mark, <laughs> Mark, Mark G., uh, without them, you're dead. With them, it is a slow death, which is, you know, to your to your point, um, it's the you have to keep up with the Joneses, even if the Joneses are bleeding out. Um, now, I guess if we think of it as delivery, um, and they might have an existing restaurant uh, setup, I I guess you know Max. You looked around a little bit, and you may have some some more context on this. But is this that they're maybe trying to would they use cloud kitchens to expand or kind of keep things afloat? In that maybe they're doing a robust business, but they want to do more delivery or just prep for their actual kitchens, so they would also get a cloud kitchen. That's a great question. Um, it's actually hard to find out how businesses are going to or want to use this because it's fairly new. Yeah. Um, it's not even really clear to me if it's what the allotted amount of time that you rent one of these kitchens for. Like, if it's like a WeWork scenario, you get a kitchen for, what, hourly? Um, hmm. Is it weekly? Is it is it monthly? 
Um, that part's really up in the air to me. I, I read a few things that suggested restaurants could use this to kind of try out new dishes or to your point, try out essentially like a new market. If you have an existing, you know, obviously here in Boston, we have a few restaurants I can think of that are kind of staples and everyone knows and likes them. So if those restaurants were able to kind of provide a lot more delivery options than they do now, they might want to test that out or even test out new dishes. Um, at the same time, it could be like chain restaurants that use these to just expand their their market reach or their ability to deliver more food. Um, when I first heard about it, I pictured basically restaurants that don't exist trying to create something new that's only delivery. And that's the thing that I'm very much I, – I just don't see that working because then yeah. I think a big point that, that an article I read is that it makes all of the marketing – and like restaurants are all marketing and it puts all of the marketing onus – on like Grubhub and DoorDash, like you have right. no physical presence, you don't get word of mouth. It's just, what are you going to expect people to just kind of come to you? It's it. I don't see that really working. Yeah, and and like you know, that also it touches a lot of other things too. Like think about the restaurant reviewing industry. Like what what happens to that if people start doing cloud? Like if all the new restaurants are in cloud kitchens. It is like, is Pete Wells going to sit in his apartment in Manhattan and order takeout from a bunch of places? Like, what do you, re- yeah. how do you review the ambiance of your own apartment? You know what I mean? And so, do those places even maintain a brand? Right. Yeah. So here's, here's maybe a, a problem I have. And I, I don't know about you two. Uh, Max, Max was actually ordering takeout before we got on the pot. And I admittedly had some, some Thai takeout earlier this evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and takeout is important because I went and picked it up. Um, so I don't, I really don't know that I've ever ordered delivery food and expected it to be really good i've had good delivery food but i wasn't it's not the same way as a restaurant when i think of delivery food especially delivery not takeout delivery which these places would have to be delivery um it's it's really it's really speed over quality it's the reason we order pizza so there might be a you know this is uh, if this is how you're getting into the market um that's very curious because then there would have to be some quality expected like you are because you're you're you can't really be any faster i don't think but you can have better quality of delivery food in which case oh that's really hard for that to be your your entryway yeah i mean i think i think there's something here which is that the restaurant experience is very is very much about you know, someone's coming in, at least at, at kind of nicer restaurants, is someone's going to come in and spend a few hours of their life. They're going to spend probably a not insignificant amount of their money with us. Let's put on a show. Let's yeah. do the best, you know, let's make the best food that we can. Let's provide the best service experience that we can. Delivery just totally doesn't jive with that at all. Delivery, you are accepting, you know, it's like compressing a file. You expect some loss of quality in relation or in exchange for getting, you know, a relatively similar version of it quickly without you having to cook Mm -hmm. or go sit in a restaurant. (laughs) And so, like, delivery is very much about meeting a minimum bar. 
And that seems like a horrendous way for a new restaurant brand to break in. I mean, that it seems to me yeah. almost much more likely that this is going to be something that's kind of uh, that restaurants, existing restaurants that are on life support are going to avail themselves of. Yeah. And that you, you I brought up the point earlier of the food trucks and, and there are food trucks that become restaurants. But with a food truck, you're used to walking up to it and getting it. Maybe they don't really provide a huge service, but um, you at least have the food and you know to go get it. Um, the barbecue place we went to in Richmond used to be a food truck, if I, rec- if I recall correctly. Right. Um, and so then you added a physical space to really do a similar thing, which is go up and grab the food. But then you know you, you sit down and maybe you get some service with it and they do something else. But this model of – as opposed to a food truck, you go from delivery to – delivery plus something equals profit I guess is the model – and I just don't see that progression in the same way. And and I think your point about maybe it would be people who are trying to right the ship, but ooh, I don't know how that would that would work. You're like a restaurant that's kind of on life support. What do you do? Sublet some of your space or or hope you expand your delivery a bunch? I don't well, know who this is helping. Well, think about, except for my original point. Well, think about what's happening with Hardywood. We we just talked about this earlier today. Yeah. Hardywood Brewery is closing its Charlottesville location. They're consolidating that business, that part of their business somewhere else that they already have an existing location. So like it it may be that you get some places that say we, you know, if you have kind of like a a, a chain setup, you may you may be able to get away with having less locations to have to rent and staff with yeah. kind of like a service staff in exchange for doing more of your business in in delivery but like you know we also have spent this entire time pretty much discussing this from the point of view of the restaurants and i think maybe not enough has been discussed from the point of view of the people that are maybe going to use the app that gets you the stuff from the cloud kitchen i mean like it just it feels so much like it's another um it's another wave of you know technologizing everything appifying yeah. everything and like all all i need to drive that point home is who is the big name investing in cloud kitchens it's fucking travis kalanick it's the uber dick <laughs> I mean, like you said, if you're ordering delivery, your main priority is probably speed. And it's like, yeah. at what point do you just drink a, a Huel or a Soylent milkshake or f- heat up a frozen meal and go about your day? I mean, there's a <laughs> line there. Where on I think, I think when cash. you order delivery, you, you want, like, the thing that I order delivery the most, and I haven't ordered delivery in a long time, but it, it was Domino's Pizza. And Domino's Pizza is actually pretty close to Cloud Kitchens, if you've been to some of the ones in <laughs> urban areas. They're yeah. very small. There's no there's no place for, for dining. They're essentially carry-out yeah. and delivery only. A lot of them are. But it's a known brand. You know what you're getting. Um, and if I wanted anything like generic Travis Kalinick's brand pizza, I'd just heat up a frozen pizza. I don't know. <laughs> right. See, it. See, but, that, but even yeah. that... Even that requires you to go to a grocery store and mm-hmm. pick out a frozen pizza and take it home and cook it yourself. Like wait, yeah. the, the most prescient, I, I think what we're really learning here 
in 2019 as it as this decade draws to a close is that the most prescient film ever made was wally so we're heading that direction so i was thinking about that and i would say that the other thing that is pretty close to and i really dislike the author but there are portions of ready player one where this guy moves to Columbus, which because of like internet access and everything has become a huge hub, which Columbus really hopes they have uh, ads on the Metro all the time, but he gets everything delivered into his apartment through a shoot. And he talks about how people do that. And they're, I'm not kidding. In the book, it is mentioned. And it's from a few years ago. The president is, uh, I think like a Kardashian or something because people just vote by phone and it's, uh, it's celebrity stars who who they're appealing to, which hits far too close to home. But that you never have to leave, and you get all of your enjoyment, and you live in a virtual world in a lot of ways. And I, that might be this. And I asked the question, which is, what do cities look like when this takes hold? Because it could, even if it's just restaurants wanting to expand because they don't want to buy a new space. They just want more prep area or a place they put all their dishes in the back of a truck and go clean them so they have more prep space there. I don't know. And the other thing is we mentioned WeWork at the beginning, um, but you have places like Zoom who actually had a successful IPO earlier this year, which is meeting video conferencing that is really good. What are these cities even going to look like? Because you don't have to physically go to a job very much anymore. I mean, a cloud kitchen, thats that would be taking away from restaurant staff probably in some capacity. I mean, it's, it, it is a sub – it is definitely a subset and not the majority of jobs where you don't have to go to a job all that often. The overwhelming majority of people that are employed are going to a job. They're not – they're they're not consultants. They they don't do the work that you do. I I, I think that yeah, that's completely well, wrong. Uh, but a lot of the you, like, very you can't expensive... telework to a hotel. No, you can't. But I'm just thinking there's a lot of space in cities, and there are a lot of in major cities, and I guess all a lot of the more expensive uh, space for that. I guess commercial space. I don't know what you office space is is these white-collar service industries. And I am just curious, and maybe this isn't the time to think about it, but you don't have to go to these spaces. You have restaurants that are cloud kitchens, in some ways ghost kitchens, um, and you're ordering in, and you can work from home, and you can order your fancy food, as we're seeing here, delivery. I just think that this is maybe an indicator of what the future of cities is, which is a lot of like the Wally model, uh, a lot of people who are just sitting and all this stuff is going on around them, but they don't actually have to go anywhere, maybe. I mean, haven't we been kind of trending in that direction for a while? It's it's frustrating, and and I'm not I'm not trying to be all old man yells at cloud. I, I probably am trying to do that, but like there's there's so much you know as as the world keeps appifying as as there continues to you know as i think was one of the original kind of slogans for the app store there's an app for that um yeah you know everything now is coming with this pitch of it makes 
XYZ facet of your life easier. And um, maybe it doesn't. Or at the very least, maybe it does and life's not supposed to be easy. You know, I just like... I mean, Max, is there is there a way that this could be good? We have been very negative about yes, it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and that's what I wanted to get to. I mean, as a consumer of this, if I'm going to be a blind consumer, having potentially more delivery food options, I think, is a good thing. Um, and this also, I think, if if everything works out, it should the- they should theoretically be able to compete on price. And if that's the case, then I think that's a good thing too i mean cheaper delivery food um i can think of a lot of maybe styles of food that i order delivery and so if those prices went down that would be a good thing but i also if that means that you know real restaurants that have been around for a while then can't afford to stay open that's that's bad for them yeah. Um, and, and but at the that, same time, there's a lot of restaurants I can think of that probably shouldn't still be open. <laughs> yeah, and if the the restaurants close, that goes to to my other thought about what the space of a city looks like. Uh, you know, if if all the food is being prepared in these warehouses and you have less shop fronts, what do those shop fronts turn into? And yeah, I think Max, maybe some places should close. I would, I would be really skeptical of the idea of prices going down because one thing that has been written about a lot with Uber and Lyft and the ride sharing is that at some point they're going to stop subsidizing rides. And I think it will be soon because they're actually having to report their profits and how much money they're losing every quarter now. Um, You could see that happen with – you know who's getting a cut of these restaurants' monies right now. Delivery, be it DoorDash, Grubhub, Seamless, whatever it is, uh, you would skip out on reservations here unless it was a a restaurant that was also just trying to expand their delivery. But those prices could go up. Uh, That take could go up. So it might be short-lived. That's true. I mean, I think there's another potential possible upside of this, which is probably what they're what they're saying if you go on the cloud kitchens website it's sort of selling itself this way i don't know that it actually will be this way there's probably a lot of people that are really good at making food but don't know how to handle all the other aspects of or are not prepared to handle all the other aspects of opening a genuine brick and mortar restaurant and so if cloud kitchens or other brands are essentially offering that they'll take care of the restaurant inspections and even the delivery integrations and everything else and all you have to do is come in and cook it may genuinely introduce some really good food into the market, but yeah. in maybe not the best way because the people that are actually going to be profiting off that food is not going to be that person that really just wanted to cook for people, but it'll probably be Travis Kalinick and the people that run Uber. I, so right. yeah. I mean, maybe there's a, a good thing there. I mean, Uber sold itself as we're going to take all these cars off the road. That isn't the case. <laughs> it, that was just that was a lie. That was either that was either a horrific miscalculation on their part, or it was just a lie. And so, like yeah. I, you know, I, I'm I'm disinclined to trust these people. I yeah, think they're I, not I, to be I trusted. S- 
I, I sat in a room with with a lift C level person and not a very big room and he said we don't put more cars in the road. There have been study after study saying that they do, especially in rush hour. So yeah, they're they're interested in themselves. The more cars on the road for them, the more the more cloud kitchens that open, that's good, that's profit, because everyone in there, every time they open one, they're making money and they're they're basically tithing. They they're taking the first ten percent or whatever it is. Now there is a democratic, I think way that this could work max where they provide space and for up-and-coming chefs or whomever they kind of create i don't know almost like a food hall and says oh these are all these new people trying it out they mostly deliver but you know on saturday and sunday you can come and order from the counter or something like that that could be cool it's not going to be like that and the other thing is not who is the face when you do that and this is kind of i think the the the, the elephant in the room here is the face of this is going to be Travis Kalanick or whatever. And instead of these chefs or cooks or whomever, and as Felix Salmon pointed out, who is going to be hurt by this, just like with Uber and Lyft, it's going to be immigrants of color. Um, Correct. You know, the people who work in restaurants, the people who you know drove cabs, drive cabs. That's who this hurts. Yeah, for every one, for every one of the people you described, Max, who who, you know, could probably be a, a cook in a restaurant or, or a chef maybe, but isn't rest isn't ready for the business of opening a restaurant. Who maybe gets an opportunity from this? How many waiters? How you know? How many servers are just going to have their jobs? You know taken out back and executed by firing squad how many how many cab drivers are gonna lose business or how many even in a fun bit of cannibalization how many uber drivers are gonna lose business because they're not ferrying people to restaurants like the knock-on effects of the like even if we don't get as far downstream as the effect of the rest you know of cloud kitchens and the decrease in the restaurant industry on uber drivers like this is a job that a lot of people have that is true i mean yeah in in travis's perfect world that would happen and those people would be would be hurt i feel like most of these cloud kitchens are probably going to be in densely populated urban areas um and those densely populated urban areas already have a plethora of delivery options. So I just, I don't see people necessarily switching to necessarily delivery more often than they already do. But I guess that's the theory there. If they can drive down costs or as you said, it increase speed, maybe, maybe that's possible. But yeah, it's, it's gonna, there's no way it, it if it, if it's successful, it's hurting those people that you mentioned. And I, I did want to say one other thing about ownership. Cause you said, you know, who's the face of this? Like when you order from this, this restaurant that has no space and someone who works for Uber is a who knows what, you know, consultant bringing the food or whatever they call them, independent contractors. Correct. Um, there is no, there is no personal connection whatsoever. And I mean, from the restaurant's perspective, I think a lot of restaurants, depending on how, you know, fancy they are, that the chef cares about their, their space very much. So, um, they care about the product they're providing and they want to ensure that that product is what they expect it to be from, start to finish which they can't really control if they're allowing someone else to do delivery and that doesn't even get into the ideas of which not to throw this all out but i mean there's things like 
restaurants that promise vegetarian options or gluten-free options or handling allergies, and all of a sudden, if, if these kitchens are switching over every week, who's maintaining that? Who's controlling for things like that? I mean, yeah. there's other cans of worms that I feel like aren't being considered that we don't need to get into now, but I, I don't I don't know. You know, this reminds me of actually it, it sort of reminds me of uh, the way that airport restaurants work, because those are all managed by hospitality groups. So yes. the the group basically bids out to restaurants to have their brand and their menu attached but then the hospitality group is fully responsible for staffing it out and actually doing the day-to-day operations so like you start to get this remove where like you know there's a you know there's like an emeralds restaurant in an airport somewhere and emerald actually has nothing to do with that and so there's no there's the emerald brand name but there's none of like the quality control that you would expect to associate with an emerald restaurant. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the way that this this is now. The things that are really valuable are brands and services. It's really not it's not products in the it's same not, way. It's not and just, it's hardly even the services. It's really in a lot of ways it's just the brands. Yeah, it's the appearance of Go- the service. Yeah, you know, Google and and Facebook and Apple, they buy other things and then they slap their name on it. I mean, Nest is a good example for for Google. Um, you know, now they call everything a Nest and that's the the product is they bought someone else and they put their brand on it. And right. yeah, I think that is. I mean, just look at Apple's push, pushing their Apple Plus, their TV service. They have like three shows, but now they have a service and it has their brand attached to it. So people are going to go pay $5 a month for it. This, you know, I think that this Cloud Kitchen thing, will it work? I don't know. If we measure work in that, it has a $5 billion valuation. Uh, Saudi Arabia has given it $400 million already. It has the brand of Travis Kalanick behind it. It's going to work. It's going to hurt people that, that need help that are trying to scratch a living and aren't already billionaires, but it's going to work. And, and to close this out, I think the way it's going to work is like you, you just kind of explained it, is, is maybe brands that already have a following. I mean, what if all of a sudden you could get, um, I'm blanking on the name, what is that really popular burger chain in California? Internet. Uh, if you could all of a sudden get in and out delivered in all the East Coast cities, that's gonna work. Yeah. Are you really getting in and out? Well, uh, I mean that's up for debate. Is but... the is the wrapper is the wrapper that says in and out on it? And can I take a picture of it? I mean, because then it'll it work. would. Yeah, but I don't see that happening because in and out is already such a popular chain that I'm sure they've done studies on opening physical restaurants in the east coast and i'm sure those would be successful as well so you know i'm not so scared that that would happen but that's another possibility i think yeah well i'm glad that this this didn't get into what i was maybe worried it was going to be which was just me bitching about well why don't you learn how to cook assholes uh at at all of the people that are going to order delivery food from the cloud kitchens 
Well, because, because those I, people have because white collar what I think. jobs, and that's it's what really... they use their disposable income for. Man, I had a white collar job. I had a white collar job for four years. Like it's not, you know, that's that's not what we're here for. We're not here for me to to say, hey, you know, uh, yuppies of the world, get your shit together. You can do better than this. I mean, like, I think they probably can. I th- I think. I think this obsession with making our lives easier is bad and stupid because it's making us stupid in a lot of ways. But, you know, you're you're probably right. It's gonna it's going to work in whatever it working looks like. And it's just it's I don't know. I to me at least it's a bummer. So, um on that on that extremely chipper note, uh, we will move on to Pierce is Sorry. Uh, what are you apologizing for today? Yeah, I mean, speaking of yuppies of the world, get your shit together. You can do better than this. Uh, yeah, it's the best. It's my favorite segment of the show. Um <laughs> So this is this one is actually where I, I, I kind of need some feedback here. So last night I went to trivia, and there were some beverages at the at the bar, and we sat down because it, it looked like people had left. There's like a half empty beer, and then some some other drinks that were not fully full or anything. Um, and so we're sitting there for a little bit. And then I hear from behind me a, a guy say, hey, can can you hand me that, that beer, the, the half-empty beer, or half-full? I mean, I don't know how you people are. Um, so I don't really think, and I hand it to him. And I'm with some other people, and we're like, that was weird. And, of course, my thought was, um, you know, should – did we take their seat? Like, what's the deal? Because the person didn't say, hey, you took our seat or anything like that. Um, so later on – we saw the the person again and i realized at that point which they had kind of indicated but i wasn't sure about but then i really saw it and heard the the guy had walked in off of the street and gotten a beverage so i'm i am definitely sorry because someone is hurt by this i don't know who uh but this was definitely wrong but I don't know how I was supposed to foresee any of this. Uh, you know, I could have I could have wronged myself because it could have been an ABC agent being like, "Oh, you're just handing people drinks." You know, we're locking you up. <laughs> so I guess I'm I'm usually a pretty vigilant and observant person, and I'm sorry to my companions that were there. I guess the bartender for giving someone free drinks, and probably this person too because. <laughs> canning them a beverage off of the street in the cold and i don't know their situation it could be a really bad situation and especially so handing someone a beer is not solving any problems it was kind of uh affecting uh so yeah be be careful who you're handing drinks to um you know usually just limit it to to people you know because you don't really know the other person's situation (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. Well, then I guess we should close the show as we do with a big idea from pop culture. Um, And uh, mine actually comes from uh, the the world of uh, specifically my current education. Uh, 
so I'm in a reporting class, and one of our final assignments was to do a thing that uh, news organizations do a lot, which is write advance obituaries for prominent figures so that they're kind of ready to go quickly should someone die unexpectedly they keep them updated from time to time to you know keep track of new developments and that sort of thing and so we had to like come together as a class to pick someone who was still alive and write an advanced obit for them and we picked dave Chappelle. and so yeah. i got to <coughs> do all this research to write uh, you know a fake obituary for dave Chappelle, and one of the things that that entailed was going back and revisiting some of Chappelle's show and you know a lot of the conversation around dave Chappelle in 2019 is rightly so about how he has kind of occupied a place at the top of the world and started punching down at anyone and everyone he can find uh, but I, it was really cool to go back and remember that for like three years, Chappelle's show was like the funniest thing that has maybe has ever been on television. Um, mm-hmm. It is just it's preposterous. It's un it's unfair almost to think, you know, that this is someone who was just he was 30 when this was when the show premiered and she's like it's incredible the sketches are so funny so and some of them make your laughs catch in your throat and go oh am i supposed to be laughing at this and the answer is yeah you're you should think about some of them too but like they're there for you to laugh at and my god that show is fucking hilarious so uh Give give Dave Chappelle the criticism in 2019 that he so richly deserves. He deserves a lot of it. Uh, but it's uh, it's not bad to remember the good times, too. So uh, mm-hmm. if, you, mm-hmm. if you get a chance or like if you need a laugh, go back and, and watch some Chappelle show. I mean, they, they just they put the foot on the gas right away. The black white supremacist sketch was in the first episode of the show. Like, I don't I don't know how many people remember that. But, like, he comes back from a commercial break and says, I guess we haven't been canceled yet. Let's see if this sketch does it. And, <laughs> like, and maybe it should have. But, God, I'm so glad we got Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood Stories. I'm so glad we got those, like, Paul Mooney characters where he played the like, Negro Damas and gave, you know, kind of biting answers to dumb white people's questions about black culture uh so you know if you uh if you want to remember when dave Chappelle wasn't uh mocking like sexual harassment accusers uh go go look at Chappelle's show it's really funny uh okay uh on that note uh that is the end of the show you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty okay Pod or at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. You can subscribe to our feed on your device and podcast app of choice. If you do that, please leave us a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing, or just tell a friend about the show because we'd love to share what we're doing with them as well. We'll be back again next week, as always, to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean.
I'm Pierce. I'm Max. Thanks for listening.